is Scott Leeper and you. Hey everybody, this is Scott with the Alpha Lima Charlie Podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the continuous suicides amongst the ranks of veterans, active duty service members, reserve service members, and the negativity and toxicity that contribute to the 22 suicides a day. My mission is to recreate the brotherhood and sisterhood of veterans through embracing positivity. Follow me to learn the concepts I've utilized in growing through my own challenges and hear the stories of success and tragedy through the challenges of others. Today, I'm joined by soon-to-be-retired Chief Jeff Bayless. And our conversation today is surrounding evolution through resilience. A lot of us that have served, um, we've we've had to um, we've had to learn our our own levels of resilience and, and build on that. Um, for many that have joined, that's also a way to escape um, the, uh, harsh realities of life prior to the military, uh, which is the case for, uh, Chief Bayless. And so today's discussion is just going to be around things that he's been through, how he's capitalized on those things and how he's allowed himself to evolve without defining himself by the pains that he's dealt with. So Jeff, Jeff, welcome to uh, the Alpha Limit Charlie podcast. Yeah. Hey, Scott, I, I feel like the first time we met, it was, uh, you know, we were like kindred spirits, man, like very like-minded. Uh, so, you know, it's an honor to be able to share my story and maybe some of the earned wisdom from the hardship, you know, that can benefit others. And, you know, I really appreciate the work you're doing here. Uh, it's, it's inspiring a lot of people myself included. And, you know, just to be able to be on your, on your platform where you've had some really good guests, you know, Leif Babin, uh, Sherwin Gilliam, uh, you know, just some really good, good uh, content you're putting out. So even to be a small part of something that would help somebody else is like a huge honor for me, man. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> so let's get into it, man. Um, you know, we, we've talked uh, um, about, your your story prior to the military and although i don't know a ton because we haven't really dove into it real deep um uh, i'm assuming that's what we're doing today and so uh so yeah so your whole platform is evolution through resilience now typically when somebody has a platform such as that they have an attachment to that message they have an attachment to uh, to that mission. And so I'm going to, I don't need to assume, I mean, I already know, um, you know, the kind of the, the cliff notes of your story. Um, why is that mission so important to you? Yeah, it's a great, uh, you know, my favorite questions are open-ended questions. That's pretty, there, there's a lot I can go with that. Uh, but I think why it is so important to me is that I just don't want somebody to have to, uh, not, not necessarily not go through what I went through. I mean, that's, that's part of it as I don't want somebody to have to go through what I went through if they can learn the lessons uh, without having to actually go through the pain, but also just to let people know that you're not alone if you're having some struggles or if you've had some hardship that you're not alone, you know, and I, I used to think that my story was so unique 
and so, uh, you know, one off. Uh, but the reality is in, in being vulnerable, and I'm sure we'll get to vulnerability and transparency. We both are fans of Brene Brown uh, and her work. But in, in sharing my story, I think what, and not just the story itself, but like, you know, the mistakes and the lessons, right? And so in, in sharing that story, I think it's just really impactful. I, you know, it, it makes my day when I get a message that says, hey, I sent your podcast to a sailor and it, it saved their life. Or, you know, I'll get, I'll get just random people that got my number from someone that'll call me and I'll just say, you know, I'll just listen and, and, and uh, you know, just try to give leading questions uh, to help them come to their own realization of what their purpose is or how to move forward in life. Uh, with the understanding that, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this topic too, but there is a road to redemption. And a lot of times when you're going through struggles, much like I have, you know, they're a season in your life. And if you can focus on it being just a season, then, you know, you know, eventually if I make good little course corrections that I can move out of this darkness. Right. And so that, that, that's what drives me to do it. You know, I, I, uh, I haven't exactly like made a, made a ton of money or gotten rich and famous or anything, but I'm doing a lot of good, man. And I believe in that, you know, that, that's why I do it. So let's get into what, uh, what you've been through, man. Cause you know, what, what I, what I know of your story, uh, you're, you're certainly not alone and other people that have been through very similar are certainly not alone. And, um, I mean, right now, uh, this is one of the big topics, uh, that, that the military is dealing with, I mean, especially coming out of, you know, what happened at Fort Hood and that kind of thing. And so, um, so yeah, if you share, uh, by all means, share your story. Yeah, cool. So, you know, I think I, I read a book, this was maybe just this year that I read a book called uh, struggle well by Ken Falk. And he's a retired EOD master chief that started a program called Boulder crest, uh, here in Virginia for post-traumatic growth, right? So taking that, not calling it post-traumatic stress or, not calling it a disorder, but an opportunity for you to grow, right? And so as I was going through that book, this was the first realization that I ever had that maybe some post-traumatic stress that I had was due to childhood trauma, right? Compounding through the military. And so I think what happens for a lot of us in the military, whatever branch that is, is that <clears throat> we find ourselves joining the military. Not, not everyone, you know, I mean, there are definitely people that were just on the road that this was always going to be their trajectory. But a lot of us, I think, it was kind of an escape from some dark place, right? Some, some trauma. And then we carry that, that sea bag or, or that rucksack into the military with us. And then all of these operations and stressful environments just kind of compound until eventually it's like a cup and that water just flows over, whether that's 16 or 32 ounces, eventually that, that cup flows over and you find yourself with, you know, PTSD, anxiety, adjustment disorder, like all of these things, right? Depression, suicidal ideations. Uh, and so I, I think the easiest way to do it is probably chronologically. Uh, and I'm very open about it. Uh, you know, I don't have enough time to go into like every single detail, I think. Uh, but what I would say is, you know, I had a, I had a rough childhood. I had really good parents uh, that, that cared and loved me. Uh, but there was just a lot of, a lot of factors, you know. Uh, so, you know, I was uh, sexually abused. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's hard when you're that young. I was like five to seven, somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, I was sexually abused by, by a man, um, you know, and I don't want to get into too many details there, but there's so much guilt that goes with that. If it had been my, you know, female babysitter, maybe I would like not try to compartmentalize it as much, right? I, I harbored a lot of guilt about that, a lot of shame, like, why didn't I fight back? Am I a man? You know, am, am I homosexual? Not that there's anything wrong with that. My brother is a gay man married to another man, and I, I love them both dearly. 
uh, but it, it still harbored a lot of shame and guilt for me uh, for many years that I didn't share until maybe the last few years. So what, what's important about that initial trauma is that that taught me the lesson then at a young age that this is how we do it. We compartmentalize our stuff and move to the next thing, right? Like don't talk to anybody about it. I was, I was taught to keep secrets at a very young age. And then I grew up in a rough neighborhood. Um, you know, it, it was a predominantly, uh, you know, under, uh, well, we, we weren't exactly poor, but pretty close, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it was, a, it was a very rough neighborhood, a lot of fighting. Uh, our house got broken into a lot. My babysitter got tied up with an extension cord at gunpoint. Cars got stolen. So uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And so at a very young age from five to maybe 10, oh, probably, probably five to 11, um, you know, I never had this sense of security in my own home, right? I never felt, I was always worried about the doors being locked, somebody coming in, you know, uh, to this day, uh, this is part of my PTSD where I, I worry about the doors being locked, changing lights in the middle of the night, you know, making sure I'm, I'm secure, the alarm is set, all of this stuff. Um, and so, that, you know, that compounded, right? And that's what happens with trauma is it just compounds, right? So another thing I'm going to compartmentalize and not really talk about it or do anything about it, right? And then, uh, you know, my, my parents got divorced and this is kind of like a long, you know, but it was a broken home. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's not like I had bad parents. Uh, you know, if my parents see this. I don't want them to think negatively about it, but you know, there, there was, you know, a lot of turmoil with that, right? Like it wasn't leave it to beaver household in my household, you know? Uh, so, you know, that, uh, eventually what happened was I ended up, uh, seeking validation through my actions. So I would, you know, I, I got into bodybuilding, which I'm sure you can relate to. Uh, you know, I got into playing football very aggressively. I, I became a very aggressive man, uh, to, well, young man, uh, to try to seek some validation for all of the pain that I had. But when that didn't work, eventually I turned to partying and fighting. Right. And it got so bad that I was in such a bad place that, you know, I would, wake up with tickets in my pocket from the police. You know, I, I, I got arrested for a assault bodily injury. Um, you know, I was running with the bad crowd. And uh, I, I remember very distinctly one moment where my dad was sitting at the top of the stairs at our old house. And he said, Jeff, do you care if you live or die? I was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't care. Uh, at 16, 17 years old, I did not value my life. And I found a journal later that I wrote when I was 10 and I said something very similar in a joking way. I was like, you know, what if I just killed myself? Ha ha ha, just kidding. But what 10 year old says that even in a joking manner, right? Um, and so I think, you know, I started just not paying attention to these bells and whistles for a long time. I didn't really value my life. And then more importantly, I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved. I didn't love myself. I didn't feel like anybody else loved me. Uh, you know, I did have my grandmother uh, was probably when she passed, I bawled like a baby because she was the, the one that I really felt like just loved me unconditionally. And so, so I joined the Navy, man. Uh, you know, my dad was a boss mate. My grandfather was a boss mate and I was going down the wrong road and I knew I had to make a change. And I think anybody can say the military deserved to be loved. A, I didn't love myself. I didn't feel like sorry. anybody else loved yeah. me. <laughs> you know, I did have, my grandmother uh, was, Probably the, when she passed, I bawled like a baby because she was the, the one that I really felt like just loved. There we go. It's all good, man. So anyway, I joined the Navy. You know what I mean? Like I found an opportunity there. Um, and you think, 
anybody joins the military, I'm sure you can relate to this too. And I'm sure everybody that's watching is going to listen to this later. You know, the military is a huge opportunity. It'll get you out of your house. It'll get you a steady paycheck. It'll get you a, you know, a trade, some education. Uh, you know, th there's just so much opportunity there. And Hey man, when I joined the Navy, I was like, I was about it. <laughs> like from day one, I was gung ho. Like I'm still OCD. So like folding skivvies, marching cadence. I was like, this is what's up right here. Um, and I, I guess I don't need to go into like, cause it, it's, it won't resonate through all the branches, but the reality is I did very well. I, I would humbly say that I did very well. I uh, made chief in eight years, which is pretty rare. Uh, and I made LDO, which is like a chief warrant officer, limited duty officer. Uh, I made that with a, with a GED, mind you, uh, in 10 years. Uh, and so, you know, I started, I started doing very well. Uh, you know, I got orders to a ship that was very arduous duty, uh, probably the most arduous duty you can get as a new ensign. Uh, and I was very excited for that opportunity. Probably still my, my favorite command that I've ever had, uh, USS O'Kill. And, you know, during this time, I'm, I'm now on my second marriage. Uh, but if you look at, if you look at it from the outside, if you looked at it on Facebook, you know, I've got, you know, the perfect home life. I'm doing Ironman distance triathlon. I got some education now. I'm an officer in the Navy. You know, like I'm, I'm doing really well, right? But the reality is I'm struggling every day, like just struggling, not talking to anybody about all these hurts, habits, and hangups that I got. I'm not reaching out for help. And honestly, my coping mechanism was 14 hour, you know, endurance events or, you know, partying, quite honestly. And, you know, I got to a point uh, in 2014, uh, I don't want to get into too much of the details, but the reality is like my, my marriage was failing. I'm not saying anything negative about my ex-wife. She doesn't deserve that. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't participating in that. I didn't have the level of mental health that I have now. Um, and quite frankly, I wasn't working on it either. Uh, and I wasn't participating in the marriage. Uh, and so uh, 2014, we got in a fight. I left the house, uh, got in an accident, got a DUI. Uh, and for an officer, that's a career killer. Uh, it's pretty much a career killer for anybody, but uh, specifically for an officer, it's, it's really hard to overcome that. And so what I decided I would do is just compartmentalize that and work harder. Uh, so I'm, I'm really breezing through like a, a fast amount of time, but the, the important piece is that, you know, I was facing a DUI out in town, a divorce out in town, a child support, a custody battle, the board of inquiry in the Navy, a detached for cause, which is, you know, they're going to kick me off the, out of the command, right? Uh, withheld promotion. I was essentially homeless. I was on the ship, uh, $40,000 in debt, and I'm driving an aircraft carrier in the middle of the Persian Gulf uh, all at the same time, like just pressure cooker. And the reality is, you know, and I, I actually just talked to my therapist about this today. Like that, that was one of my traumas too, is like, can you think of a more intense environment than standing officer of the deck on an aircraft carrier when you're considering taking your life every day? I had no business standing that watch. I should have told someone, hey man, like I'm having dreams about like, you know, jumping off the bridge wing or I'm having, you know, thoughts of like, you know, what happens if this ship, you know, if I'm not capable and something happens to everybody on board, like I was not in a good space, man, but I just kept charging because that's the, that's the stoic way, right? We wear this mask of masculinity, which we talked about a few days ago. You know, I, I just wore that shield so tightly 
Uh, and so, you know, at literally every single day I had suicidal ideations. Uh, I would wake up and just say, you know, is today the day, you know, it's kind of like, I, I hear people talk about like with smoking or with, you know, alcoholics or people that have like addictions that, you know, it's like just day at a time, right? Take it one day at a time. Well, that was my approach to not taking my own life was one day at a time. You know, like I'd wake up in the morning and be like, okay, we're, we're going to make it through today, you know, but I think, you know, suicide, I, you know, disclaimer, neither of us are mental health professionals, but it's been my experience that it wasn't that I wanted to die. It wasn't that I wanted to, you know, not be on this earth anymore. It was that I felt hopeless because at every turn there was just more trauma over and over and over again, you know? Um, and I have some other like Navy story. We all have military stories, right? But the, that's the cliff notes uh, where I, I got to, you know, the highest of high and then the lowest of low. Uh, and then, and in the resilience piece, I'm sure we can, we can get there to where I am now, but you know, the, the, uh, the punchline or, you know, the, the end of the, the road is that, you know, I, I did work very hard. I, I deployed several times, spent 18 years of 20 years at, at uh, you know, a deployable unit. Uh, and, you know, I'm just where I arrived now is very grateful. Um, I've, I've done a lot of work. I've read a lot of books. I've talked to a lot of men like you. Um, you know, I've, I've just really let the guard down, man, and just let it all out, you know, and there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of hurt feelings from other people that didn't know, you know, I'm not saying it was easy, uh, but now I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And, and I'm probably, you know, my rank isn't as high, but my success is even higher because rank is an achievement. Success is a mindset, right? And my success mindset now uh, compared to where I was, even though I had higher rank back then is, uh, it's night and day. Um, so I kind of, I know, I, I know I yapped a lot and I've warned you I would, but, uh, I kind of breezed through a lot of things that, you know, there was a lot more granularity to it, but that, that is the message, man. It's like, you know, every, you're not alone. Everybody has trauma. You deserve to be loved. Uh, and, and just love yourself enough to work on yourself so that you can do better for others, you know? Uh, and that's what I'm doing now. I just retired on Friday. Well, not officially I'm on terminal leave. Yeah. Uh, but you know, very, very grateful, man. That's, that's where I land is just gratitude. So recap again, I, I want to go back. I want to highlight something, go back, recap the list of stuff that was going wrong when you were on the aircraft carrier. Yeah. So I was facing a DUI out in town, uh, which I ended up, I, you know, I couldn't drive, I couldn't operate a motor vehicle for two years. Um, so DUI out in town, uh, divorce, uh, you know, that was the last straw for my ex-wife. Uh, child support, uh, I paid $24,000 a year in child support. Uh, custody was, was a challenge. Um, there was, uh, you know, I wasn't, I don't want to say I was like homeless because I never actually slept on the street, but I didn't have a, a place to live. You know, like I was on the ship on deployment. My stuff was in the garage, you know, like I, you know, I didn't know what I was coming home to. Um, I was $40,000 in debt from all the legal fees and just poor decisions I made financially. Um, I might be forgetting something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then uh, the Navy stuff, right? So board of inquiry yeah. uh, detached for a cause. They withheld my promotion. And so as a, I was a Lieutenant JG. So when they withhold your promotion as a JG, you cannot retire as an O2E. It's not possible. Um, so 
you know, I was facing that challenge. Uh, and then I, I did end up getting detached for cause. Uh, and I was also driving an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf. So like all at one time, man, it was just like, oh man, I just wanted the pain to stop, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, there's, there's a whole lot of irony in not being able to operate a motor vehicle yet. You're, you're operating a, uh, (laughs) in the Persian Gulf. It's, um, irony and, 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 uh, uh, humor in that, but, um, I've never thought about that. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, But obviously everything that was going on is not humorous. Um, what was your mindset other than, um, you, you, you have these, you, you've had, you had those, uh, those thoughts of suicide and, um, and and that kind of thing. But, you know, one of the things that I want to talk about is the, the, was there a negative mindset? Like everything sucks. Everything's stupid. Did you have that? I think for me, the mindset I had was I, I attempted at least to embrace like a stoic philosophy mindset. That's what I was trying to do. Uh, I started reading Marcus Aurelius, started reading Ryan Holiday, Seneca, um, you know, just really got into the stoic philosophy because that was the manliest way I knew how to endure the pain. You know, um, I think it was a lot of anxiety uh, for me. That was a mindset too, because you know, I, it was so uncertain what was going to happen with me, you know, and that I think that that boils down to the hope thing again, right? Like I've heard so many veterans and active duty people or just, just human beings that, you know, that, that hopelessness is what drives uh, suicidal ideations. Because if you think it's going to get better, if you think that, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you'll see the rainbow and like, you know, everything will be hunky dory again, then you have hope and you're like, well, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll work through this. Right. But when you lose that hope that, that would, I guess I would say that was my mindset was hopelessness. You know, uh, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I lashed out in anger very much. Uh, if anything, I, I got more introverted because uh, I didn't want people to know the grimy details, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I closed off and isolated quite honestly because uh, I didn't have any hope and I didn't want anybody to find out my little secret, you know, uh, that, you know, I was struggling and that's, um, I think that happens for, for a lot of vets is, is just that, that stoicism that, uh, you know, putting on that mask. Um, but then also the, the isolation, the closing off. And, and, you know, this, this is why there's a lot of vets that they don't want to, um, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about what they've been through or what they're going through. Uh, you know, for me, it was just kind of the same thing. You know, when I lost my dad, it was, you know, people would ask me, Hey, how you doing? dude, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Um, mm-hmm. stop asking me. Um, but actually inside I was, I was, I was dying inside. Um, but then that for me, it, it, it uh, it manifested into the, you know, everything's stupid, everything sucks. Um, you know, literally I thought everything was dumb. If it didn't have anything to do with what I was doing, there was, there was stupidity involved. Um, uh, and, and instead of having an air of curiosity, I judged everything. And that was because, um, it, it would, that was simply a projection of what was wrong with me. How did you pull out of that? <clears throat> Day at a time for me. Um, it, it, it's, there's a lot of work that has to be done personally. And, you know, like you said, you started reading a lot of books. Um, I, I, I think self-education um, is absolutely, um, 
a big part of that. And uh, I mean, just stupid. This camera's driving me nuts. <laughs> thing is going nuts. Um, I thought third time was a charm, man. Third camera is a charm, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, um, anyway. Uh, we'll, we'll have to deal with it. Um, you know, but one of the you know, one of the other things that really really helped me, honestly, was going to YouTube and just pulling up like motivational videos. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was that stuff. Like I know listening to Eric Thomas was was a big one. Um, I was just about to say ET. Yep. Um, his guru speech, honestly, was was one of the first speeches I listened to that really um, helped me start to pull myself out. Now there was a, and, and that was like the beginning. It was kind of like, you know, constructing the ladder to get me out of the hole was really what, what that, um, uh, what that was. Um, mm -hmm. um, listening to a lot of Tony Robbins, um, you know, just, just random motivational videos on YouTube. Now, I come from the school of thought that motivation has a very short shelf life. And so there was action that had to be implemented on the back end of that. The motivation yep. helped. The motivation gave me a little fuel. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that they'll, they'll watch these um, these motivational videos and they'll get rah-rah and, and hyped up, and but then they don't do anything. And I've been to conferences and that kind of thing where I've seen the same thing play out for in-person conferences where, you know, um, you go to a conference and – and, and, you know, the messages are phenomenal and, and inspirational and, and get people pumped up. And, you know, you hear people left and right saying, oh, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, but then you see them at the next event and they didn't move the needle forward whatsoever. Right. Because they weren't taking action. Right. So, so for me, it was a lot of using the motivation to the most motivational videos and the self-education and the books and that kind of thing to develop the fuel to help me start to take the action to move the needle forward. So that's what it was for me. What, what was it for you? Yeah. So it's kind of two part for me. So the, I think the, you know, the, the suicidal ideations, the thing that pulled me out of that uh, is separate from what turned me into the man I am today. Right. It's two for me, it's two different topics. Um, so the first one with, you know, the suicide, uh, I would say what, what pulled me out is, as I mentioned earlier, I never felt worthy of love. And so I was a human doing, not a human being. Right. And everybody's familiar with that term. You know, I, I had to do, 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 do more, do more, do more. And it didn't matter who I was like in my, in my center, like what, what actually drives me. And the, uh, my wife hates it when I say this, like I'll say kind of blanketly, like my wife saved my life. And she hates it when I say that because she didn't like, we all have to do it for ourselves and she's right. Uh, but what was the catalyst for not taking my life was the unconditional love of another woman or another human being, quite honestly, like just, it could have been anybody that, you know, I am a Christian. So I had faith. Uh, I knew God had a purpose for me. I feel like I'm living that purpose now. Uh, and I, I thank God for the opportunity. Every time I get to help somebody that, you know, this was, this was my calling, uh, quite honestly, that, you know, God saw something in me that I didn't. And, um, uh, you know, my kids, uh, you know, I, I love my kids and I just, you know, I, I couldn't do it. The fact is when you take your life, you know, it leaves a ripple of pain for everyone else. And I just couldn't be that selfish. Uh, but that's a long winded way to say the real reason was that I finally understood that I was worthy of love, you know, and I never had that before. Like I never felt, you know, that I was worthy. Like I just felt like I felt like I was confident, but maybe, maybe cocky, but not, I wasn't, nurturing that softer side of myself, only the strong side, you know, fighting, partying, uh, you know, all of that, you know, boast mating, like all this, 
bad ass stuff, right? Shooting guns, hunting, you know, and I still enjoy all that stuff today. But yeah, so the suicide thing was, uh, you know, just feeling worthy of love, loving myself a little bit. And then that as time grows, you know, it gets better. And, and then also, you know, <laughs> I'm sure everybody in this group can relate to this. You know, when, when you're in the military, you're afraid to go talk to someone because it might ruin your secret clearance or it might, uh, you know, you, you might not be able to wear a firearm if they put you on an SSRI for at least 90 days until you stabilize, right? Or, you know, there's so many uh, things that hold us back. Uh, and at a certain point, I just needed relief. You know, I needed relief and I had to go talk to somebody. Uh, so that was a suicide thing. Um, I think the thing that helped me climb out as a, as a growth uh, perspective would be, uh, I, I say this all the time because, I, you know, you mentioned books and Tony Robbins and motivational videos and all that stuff is great. But I think what really helped me the most was meaningful conversations from guys like you or, you know, hopefully somebody like I am to other people today. You know, I would just talk to people about, you know, hey, you know, this is going on. What's your advice? What do you think? You know, and I, that's why I will always answer the phone. I will always, you know, I will, you know, I will help because people helped me when I needed it. Uh, now, not everyone. Some people did. You know, there were friendships lost. You know, uh, there were some relationships strained. Uh, but what helped me out was, you know, into the growth journey uh, was, yeah, just reaching out to mentors, coaches, friends, people I trusted right? I didn't want to share this stuff with people I didn't trust. You know, you can't share it until it becomes a scar. A friend of mine uh, came on the podcast and she said, share your wounds uh, with people you trust and share your scars with the world so they can benefit from it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know that at the time, but that's what I'm doing now. You know, now that, I've, now that I'm on, not necessarily on the other side. I mean, we're always uh, in an evolution. We're all on the spectrum somewhere, right? Uh, but yeah, books, podcasts, uh, you know, attending seminars, reading, you know, reaching out. But the, the most important thing I think for me that was most cathartic was uh, talking to people. And then also the last thing I'd say was, you know, that once you get to a place where you are self-aware enough and can be a little bit objective about what is actually going on in your life, then sharing that is cathartic in a way. Does, does that make sense? Like that helps me too, knowing that, okay, you know, I was jacked up, <laughs> you know, like yeah. quite honestly, that guy was not a good dude. I mean, I had some, it was in there somewhere. Right. Uh, but I what my actions weren't showing uh, what my true intentions were. And I think once you get to a place where you can share your story to benefit others, that, that helps. It's hard to call it service because it's so rewarding and cathartic for yourself. Right. So that, that helped me too. Like I started doing public speaking, you know, I'd fly to Hawaii. I've been to Guam, San Diego, just kind of talking like I'm talking here about, you know, my story and what I've learned, uh, you know, and the lessons learned. But I think sharing, sharing your story, um, I think happens in phases. Uh, at least that was, that's what it was for me. Um, you know, when we first start to try to share our story, especially if it's still um, so close to us and, and, and still so traumatic, um, we have a hard time even getting that first couple words out. Um, I know for me, you know, when, uh, uh, when, when my dad first died, um, I, I couldn't talk about it. Um, I couldn't talk about it. I, I couldn't get the first word out without absolutely losing it. And, um, and then, you know, I, I'd try again and they get a few more words out and I lose it. And, and then I get a few sentences out and then I got, 
you know, it's, it's, it's almost like rewriting a book over and over and over again until you can actually get the book out without um, absolutely losing your mind. And that's the difference between a personal and a public story. Uh, you know, a personal story you, you share with um, somebody that's um, uh, somebody that you trust, somebody that's real close to you, um, that you can confide in um, when, when that hurt's still there, when that struggle's still there, when you haven't made peace with it or when you haven't uh, been able to move forward from it. Um, and then after you talk about it with that person so much or, or a couple people or a group of friends or whatever that is, as you, as you talk about it, um, it, it becomes easier. And the easier it becomes, now you can start to share it with, uh, with, with people publicly. You know? and, and again, not going to, you know, now we're moving into talking with people that, uh, that need help. Um, talking to that one person that maybe they saw you um, at the gym um, and for whatever reason, they felt uh, the, the, the ability to come and talk with you. And then it gets to the point where now you're just helping people by utilizing your story. Um, and, and by being able to share your story, what that does is that actually builds a trust. Um, yes. Builds rapport between you and that person you're talking to, that group of people that you're talking to. Um, and what that, so uh, the example here is I've shared my story and, um, you know, I saw in a Facebook group, you know, one of the things that's being discussed right now in a few posts is an other than honorable discharge. And, you know, after my dad died and, um, I, I had an affair with my wife, I got, I got kicked out with an other than honorable, still have an OTH. Um, and, but the thing is like, I share that with people now with zero reservation. And I share that with people um, because we're all fallible. The perfect thing about being human is that we're imperfect and we can learn from our imperfections. And so if we're able to learn from our imperfections, uh, well, if we're able to show our fallibility and show that transparency, be vulnerable with people that you barely know, that opens that door for that conversation. Because now that person that you're trying to help knows that you've been through shit too. And so now you're able to uh, relate to them in some way, shape or form. But the biggest piece is that builds trust. Okay. That person just shared deep, dark shit with me. I can do the same. And I've had people tell me multiple times they'd share some, some, some deep, dark secret with me. And I just met them. And they're like, I have no idea how I was able to share that with you. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was vulnerable with you first. Not that it doesn't really matter who goes first, or whatever, but I'm here to help you. I'm just as fallible as you are because we're human. I'm not some self-proclaimed guru. I'm not some, um, uh, somebody that's, all enlightened and never had any problems and I'm perfect and everything is awesome and, and, and zero issues. And I'm going to show you the way that's not, that's not how this works. I mean, we talk about Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins was raised by a, a, uh, a drug addict mother who beat him. Yeah. Eric Thomas was kicked out of his house at 16. He was homeless on the streets of Detroit from, um, from the ages of 16 to 18 years old. So, these people that are doing a lot of good in this world, they've been through their own challenges. And that's what builds that trust for people to trust them is because 
they share that they're open about it and they use their story to help other people just like what you're talking about. Yeah. And it is a process. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I I would say my first talk that I gave was, well, one of the first talks was to an entire aircraft carrier. Right. So we're, I mean, when the music or when everybody's embarked, it's like three, I don't know. Let's just say it was a lot of people. Right. And, um, you know, I wasn't quite comfortable yet talking about the suicidal ideations and I kind of glossed over the childhood trauma. You know, I just shared the, the meat and potatoes of the middle part. Right. Cause I wasn't super comfortable, you know, talking about all the childhood trauma or going to that dark place where I had suicidal ideations. I wasn't ready yet. So that's exactly right. You know, it, it is a process where you just get more comfortable with the truth, you know, and, and less concerned with the validation or the judgment in what is actually true, you know, that this was actually true. And that's the only way that you're ever going to benefit or anybody else is going to benefit is if you're completely transparent, you know, and, and authentic. And then you're exactly right with the trust thing. You know, people reach out to me very similar to what you described. And the reality is they know I'm not going to judge them. Right. I think that's why they get the trust. The trust is because you, you know, I'm not dude, like I've been there, bro. Like I've, I've, I've been there, sister. I, I get you. Like you, you don't gotta, you don't gotta sugarcoat nothing for me. Like I, there's not going to be any judgment, man. That's just a hug. And I might ask you some questions, you know, so that you can figure out what you want to do next, but I'm certainly not going to delete your phone number or, you know, or judge you or, you know, make fun of you or any of those things. Right. Because like you said, we're all fallible and it is the human experience and we're all suffering. Like, I don't want to get too Debbie Downer or too morbid, but you know, it's like the hero's journey, right? Uh, You know, there's, there's call to adventure. Then there's some, you know, gate you have to go through. I think there's 17 steps. I'm paraphrasing, you know, but then there's, then there's the, the, the problem, right? There's the dragon and then you get defeated by the dragon. Then you drink the elixir, then you slay the dragon, then you marry the princess and then you arrive, right? Well, guess what happens after that? There's another journey, right? There's another, that's why there's how many star Wars are there now? There's seven, right? Like, you know, those stories are relevant in books and movies and stuff because that is our life as well. You know, it's like the hedonic treadmill. It's just over and over your repeating cycles. And if you understand that, I think what happens is when you get to a place where there is a new challenge or a new hurdle, like I'm going through right now, transitioning out of the military, I have to trust myself a little bit that I can look back on past experiences and say, okay, like I made it through that. I can make it through this. You know, like I, I, I didn't die in Lincoln Green East in Houston, Texas, you know, walking those streets with, you know, gunshots getting fired off every day. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure I can make it through transitioning out of the Navy, you know? So uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's true too. Not only that others trust you, but you trust yourself enough to just be real for lack of a better word, just be real. Yeah. No. And the thing is like, you know, one of my, one of my mentors and, and people that are, that are watching this and, and, and listening in, they've, they've probably heard me talk about this, but you know, and, and we've had this conversation the other day where, um, you know, my mentor, Sean Stevenson, he had said that, uh, you know, in life, you're always going to have mountains and dragons. There's always going to be a mountain to slay. There's always going to be, I'm sorry, there's always going to be a mountain to climb and always, always going to be a dragon to slay. And, you know, what, what, I've, what I've shared with people that, uh, that feel like that they, they don't have the strength to get through, the, to get through what they're going through, um, I, I, I share with them, you know, we've all been through the same um, uh, the same first mountain, 
we've all had to climb the same first mountain and that's when we come out of the womb for most of us uh the light's too bright right um but we have to go through that challenge of that light being too bright in order for us to be able to see the world around us and then we all have to go through well again most of us um have to go through this uh you know the next mountain which is learning how to roll over onto our stomach and then learning how to crawl and then learning how to walk and then learning how to run we all have to you know those of us that that have the ability that are, are blessed to be able to walk uh and see we have to go through those things in order for us to be able to navigate the the the, the globe right uh, and navigate this thing we call life um and if if we didn't go through those things it wouldn't have built the resilience in us that we have now in order to navigate what we're going through now and that, that's the same thing with life's life's challenges um you know we we go through you know when we when we go through first grade and we're learning how to read and write you know it's just that's just building the basis for us to move into second grade and then move into third and then be able to do the curriculum in fourth grade and so on and so on and go into college and and these things and you know and but the other thing to that um you know we think about like when we were kids it was growing pains um but it was physical growing pains and and we there was no way around it we had to grow physically and you know we our knee would hurt our back would hurt our neck would hurt and it was growing pains and um and we think that when we turn 17 18 years old that those growing pains are over but that's just the start of the growing pains that's that's the, that's the end of that phase the next phase is the uh the psychological growing pain and that's going to be the, end, the the rest of our life like we're going to go through psychological growing pains, but each test that we go through is going to make us stronger for the next. But now it becomes a choice. Now we can choose to grow through what we're going through. We can choose to remain stuck. It all boils down to making a decision. It all boils down to making a choice. Are we going to choose to uh, develop ourselves further as a result of the challenges that we're facing? Or are we going to do what I did previously? And that's everything sucks. My life sucks. Everything's stupid. And, and this shouldn't happen to me. And, and I don't deserve this. Well, and it's like the, the quote that's behind you there, the man in the arena. Um, you know, I, I tell you that I, I get, I share that quote at the end of each talk I give uh, because, you know, we are all in the arena. Like every one of us is facing some sort of challenge. And I think if you look at those challenges as somewhat of an opportunity for growth, it's hard. Like, okay, let me just be real. Like it's hard when you're in it. It's hard when you're going through a divorce. It's hard when you're, separating from the military it's hard when you're on deployment and you just had a baby born and you can't make it back to see that baby right i mean those are challenging things and i'm not discrediting that but those are things you know again that happen for you not to you because you know i would not be the man i am today if i hadn't had all those struggles because i wouldn't have seeked out all the wisdom and knowledge uh, i'm humbly saying this i'm not trying to say i've got it all figured out or you know but if i hadn't have had the struggles I would still be charging in that same direction with blinders on, you know, I, I'd be like the racehorse with blinders on, you know, not, not aware of the periphery, not aware of the woo woo stuff that's out there. Right. Cause that's not, that's not manly to talk about, you know, karmic energy. That's not manly to talk about meditation and mindfulness. It's not manly to, you know, notice that my cholesterol is too high and maybe I should just quit eating meat for a while and see what's going on there. Like these are all things that had I not gone through these challenges where I had to pivot and open my aperture to an objective lens, you know, if, if I hadn't had that, no way I would be the man I am today. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not proclaiming that I, again, I'm not proclaiming that 
I have this all figured out. I'm not sitting here prevaricating about, you know, how, how impressive I am. Uh, but what I would say is to your point and, and in total agreement is that I can damn sure say I would not be talking to you right now if I hadn't gone through that stuff that, that, I mean, right there in and of itself, I, I would have not, I would have not reached out. You wouldn't have connected with me. You know, it, it just, I would not be, I wouldn't even be here. <laughs> so you know, that, that, that all is a gift. Uh, and, you know, there are no bad days. There's only days that, you know, you're going to learn from, you know, and now I'm getting a little long winded, but I wrote down when you said choice, because I, I, I bring that up a lot too. You know, it's I, when I coach people or even I used to do like marathon coaching and stuff like that. And people would hit me up for accountability. And I would say, they would say, Hey, you know, like, what do you think if I skip this workout, can I do this workout or whatever? And I would always say, well, it's a choice you know, that's, that's your choice. You know, I'm not going to, as your coach, I'm not going to tell you like you have to do the workout or you can slide on it. I'm going to tell you, you have a choice. You choose to do it or you choose not to, this is the plan. Uh, so if you don't, if you don't care about, you know, optimizing your performance, that's your choice, you know, and on either side of any choice you make, this is, this is what I find myself giving the most advice. Like if there was actually a friend of mine on our YouTube channel asked me uh, a question the other day or yeah, the other day that, really made me think, what is the most advice that I ever give, you know, or give? And I'm very hesitant to say that I give advice because I really just try to ask questions. But the number one thing I end up finding myself, Scott, saying is like, okay, so this is your, this is your turning point, right? This is your fork in the road. Okay, so you have a choice, right? You have a decision to make. And on either side of that decision, there's going to be something to be gained. And there's going to be something that you're going to have to, a burden you're going to have to carry. So I think what you have to do with any decision you make in life is say, okay, you know, if I put in an officer package or if I get out of the military, or if I get married, it will bring me this level of happiness, success, wealth, fame, whatever that thing is, right? But that may also have more responsibility. That may also take more time. That may also trap me from freedom, which is high in my value system, right? And so the, the key is to pick the the decision that has the least amount of burden, right? Because we're all focused on like chasing the rabbit, but we get, we get, you know, we can't see the forest for the trees that there's going to be some burden with whatever decision you make. So the idea is pick the decision that has the least burden. You know, what do I want to, do I want to exit the military and become a lawyer? You know, would that, would that make me happy? Probably, but it would be really hard and I would go in debt. And then, you know, so it's like, decide which burden is easier to carry right does that make sense yeah and that, and that, and those you know the 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 choice of burden looks different to everybody mm -hmm. you know for you it might be well i don't want to go into and into debt and you know for me uh maybe it's well i come from a money a family of money and so i'll use the gi bill and then they're going to pay for the rest like i don't come from a family of money um but you know that that could just be like just the the, the difference between the two um, you yeah, know, it's what, it's, what's important to you. Right. And again, it could be, you know, the, the debt is actually well worth it because, um, you know, my, my family was murdered and the person that got murdered, the, the person, the, the person that was convicted, he only got 10 years. Um, and so I want to become a DA, uh, I want to become a prosecuting, prosecuting attorney. And so that why is very, very big for that person. Uh, or for somebody else, I'm like, yeah, kind of want to be a lawyer. It just sounded, sounded cool. I did a mock trial when I was in high school. Uh, yeah, but I don't want to pay $120,000 in, in, in school fees, right? 
Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it just looks different to, to, to everybody. Well, that reminds me of Simon Sinek's book, you know, Start With Why, and that that is huge. Like, I wrote a whole article for the Naval Institute about, you know, finding your purpose and starting with why when in regards to commissioning programs, because I'm probably the only dude I know that, well, I'm definitely the only dude I know. I'm not saying I'm the only dude out there, but I'm the only guy I know that was, you know, enlisted officer back to enlisted. And so I have a unique perspective on that, but I'm not really trying to get on that train. What I'm saying is, yeah, why is so important. Like everybody's so worried about the how and the what, <laughs> you know, if, if you focus on the why, those other things will take care of themselves. It'll make a lot of other decisions easier to make. Like I'm, I'm going to talk to Scott Leeper on his podcast today because it's the right thing to do and it's going to help somebody that that's important to me. Not, you know, what, what is it going to do for me? Not what, you know, it, it's just the, the why behind everything really, if that drives your purpose, not only this kind of has to do with like standards and expectations, right? I, I, I try to keep my standards really high and my expectations really low. That way, if my expectations aren't met, I'm not anxious, angry, frustrated, reaching out, you know, but my standards, I maintain high standards, right? Like I expect, well, see there, I slipped up and said expect, but you know, I have high standards for myself and for others, uh, but also have compassion and have a little bit of grace when those expectations aren't met. Right. Uh, I know I kind of went on a little tangent there, but it, you know, finding the why having purpose and, and choosing again, choosing that why, is more powerful than the how or the what. Yeah. And that's, you know, one of the, some of the big challenges that, that, that vets face too, the big challenges that vets face is, you know, when they get out is, um, you know, they, 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 they feel like they've lost their purpose. They feel like they've lost their identity. And, uh, it, but the thing is, it's not necessarily that they've lost their purpose. They've lost their identity. When, when they, when they join, a lot of us, when we join is to serve our country, right? Um, so that's the purpose and our identity becomes, our identity is simple. It's the branch that we were in or the rank or component or, you know, whatever. And, but, you know, I, I take that a step further when people get out, I said, when we, when we join to serve our country, we're not serving this, this piece of real estate that we call the United States. We're not serving the, the ground itself. We're serving the people on the ground and so if we want to continue serving our country how can we do that post uniform and and i think if 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 vets were to take that perspective and run with it whether it be a profession that they want to get into whether it be um you know a, a charity that they want to work for or just paying it forward and I don't know, you're in a drive-through at freaking uh, at some fast food joint and you pay for somebody's food behind you. Being of service to the people in the country will help that person continue their purpose of serving their country. And I think by doing that, that's going to help them start to develop what will be their next career purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? Identity you know, we can, there's this, this challenge that, you know, and, and, and you see it on, uh, on commercials, you see it in the media where vets are a charity case and, and we're not a charity case. Um, so 
it's our responsibility to start to shift this, this identity of vets, the identity of vets being a charity case to the identity of uh, a, a veteran that's more, uh, that, that's worth more than their weight in gold, um, that, that know how to conduct themselves, that know how to pick themselves up by the bootstraps, that know how to lead themselves, communicate with themselves, lead others, communicate with others. But it absolutely has to start with doing that individual work. We can't, uh, we can't, uh, you know, we talk about Alpha Lena Charlie, um, you know, alpha being the alpha male or the alpha person. And that's not, just, you know, it's, it's, it's not my way or the highway. It's not fixing everything with violence. Um, Lima is leadership or again, self-leadership. Charlie is communication or again, more importantly, self, self-communication. It has to start with self. And just like for you, um, you know, going back to, you said it was the, the turning point for you is when you realized that you were worthy of love. There had to be some self-love steps in place for that to, for, for that to become the realization, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty easy too to, well, I don't want to say easy, but I think it's, it's common uh, for those of us that are experiencing something, uh, some sort of hardship or transition or worry or whatever that negative connotation word that you want to plug in there. Uh, you know, it's easy to adopt a victim mentality, you know, and that I'm not going to say that I wasn't there. I mean, I definitely was like, what the hell, man? Like, I can't believe this happened to me. Like, golly, man, like, what, what else, you know, what else can they possibly do to me? And I can't tell you, you know, we, we call them sea lawyers in the Navy, but uh, you know, and I'm not bashing anybody specifically, but people will tell you what you want to hear because it makes you, them feel better and makes you feel better. Very few people will say, Hey man, the reality is I, I think, I, th- I don't think you're going to make it through this one. <laughs> you know, like this, this is what's actually going to end up happening. Uh, but just understand that, you know, even if you do, you know, get up, get an OTH, or even if you do uh, end up with some sort of burden, right, that through this experience, don't adopt a victim mentality. Look at it as an opportunity that you can do something with this to change not only yourself, but others. And again, I go back to introspection with, you know, if, if you want to adopt a victim mentality, you're probably not very introspective, you know, and, and that requires you take some ownership too. You know, I had to own my own mess. I had to own my own shit. You know, I can't, I can't blame it on somebody else and say, you know, the Navy did me dirty or, you know, my ex-wife was mean or, you know, I, I, the other guy, you know, hit me or, you know, whatever, man, like we all put ourselves in those situations. And I had to, I just had to own my part of it. That's why I never say anything negative about the Navy. I'll never say anything negative about my ex-wife. I won't say anything about the police officer that, you know, did his job, right? Like, I guess he could have let me go, but that's his job. Like he was doing his job that he's paid to do by taxpayers money. So, you know, I, I put myself in that situation, you know, the police officer didn't, I put myself in that position. My commanding officer didn't, uh, you know, I was not participating in that marriage. You know, it wasn't all my ex-wife's fault. Like I got to own my stuff too and not adopt this victim mentality. And that, that could play out in any facet of your life. Right. You know, uh, it's easy to put on, you know, some sort of show or pretend like, you know, everything is, is clicking along. Uh, but it requires that introspection and that objective look inward and say, no, nah, actually like, this is kind of a problem and maybe I should do something about that. Right. Or, you know, this isn't serving me. Right. And if it isn't serving you, then it's not serving anyone around you. That 
that's a hard one too, especially for us that are service leaders, service minded, you know, we, you know, we put their oxygen mask on first, right? That's how we roll. You know, when I'm running or cycling with my wife, I'm always towards the street. Like I was just raised in Texas. Like I'm going to, if a car comes, I'm going to get hit first. Like that's just how I'm, that's how I was born. Even when we're walking down the street, I always am towards the street. Uh, But, you know, at some point you have to, you know, let put down the, the shield, you know, quit, quit pretending like everything's okay and take a knee not because you're a victim, but because you want to improve. And I say this all the time, you know, if, if I had, if I had taken a knee when I needed the, when I needed the time out to go get some mental health help, right. If I had taken a knee, then imagine how powerful I would have, like how much more good I would have been able to do on active duty had I had just listened internally and, and made a good decision to, you know, uh, talk to counselors or, you know, just reach out to people that, that I, that I will not hesitate to do now. Right. But a lot of times, you know, when you're in it, it's really hard. And so that's why we need to have more conversations like you and I are having so that people understand, you know, it's okay. Like you're not alone. I should have done that. I want that for you, you know? So again, so you don't have to go through what I went through to get where the, the wisdom that I, I guess I have earned, you know, uh, the hard way I do everything the hard way, man. <laughs> my dad says all the time he's like you gotta do everything the hard way don't you i'm like i guess so man <laughs> sounds awfully familiar yeah <laughs> we're knuckleheads man <laughs> so what else um good conversation yeah man i always enjoy talking to you it's been it's been really cool to uh, to meet you and uh, you know have even our off show conversations are always really profound. And I say this with another friend of mine that there's no conversation I've had with him that it wouldn't benefit the world from hearing. And every time I've connected with you, it's been positive and, and beneficial for not only me, but hopefully for you, hopefully I've reciprocated in some way. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, when, when you hear, when you hear other people's stories, um, from where they come, where they, where they've, where they've come from, what they've went through, what they're currently dealing with or going through or getting ready to go through. Um, you know, it, it, it puts, you know, when I have those conversations, it puts, it puts my current situation in, persp- in perspective. And it puts, oh, totally. You know, it puts previous conversation or previous situations in a perspective as well. And, um, and the thing is, you know, we all, we all have our own individual maps. And so, you know, nobody, none of us will ever a hundred percent fully understand what the other person's going through, even though we've been through similar situations, but that gives us the ability to understand that, um, you know, he's, he's made it through what he's made it through. And so I know what, you know, maybe if there's something I'm going through, I know I can go, I, I can get through it, you know? And so knowing what you've been through in the past and how you've, you've, um, you know, you've been able to pull yourself through and, and, the list of shit that you went through, um, you know, as, as you can operate a motor vehicle, but can, uh, can operate a, uh, aircraft carrier. Um, uh, you know, dude, if I had a nickel, if I had a nickel for every time a therapist said to me these exact words, that's a lot. <laughs> I'd, I'd be a rich man. So they're always like, that's yeah. a lot. I'm like, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so, but it just, it puts it in perspective. Like, okay. You know, like, hearing those constant conversations about people pulling themselves through hell and back 
for me personally, that just enhances my ability to do the same. Absolutely. Yeah, I think another thing too, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did I interrupt? I except for this camera. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, you know, another thing too that I've learned, and this is my approach with like mentorship is, you know, I've said it before, but I try not to just tell you exactly what to do, right? And I've had people I mentor tell me, hey Jeff, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do here. Um, and because I've been in so many situations where people told me what to do, I didn't have ownership of that decision. You know what I mean? And so I think what you get from guys like me and you that, you know, have been through some stuff and, you know, have these conversations with like-minded people, it's like, oh, hey man, you know, all I'm going to do is hold the space for you. Even if it's super uncomfortable, like this could be really painful and uncomfortable. I'm not going to fix it for you, but I can give you some, you know, some perspective to use your words. You know, I can give you some perspective and I can ask some, some very good pointed questions, just ask really good questions and you'll figure it out on your own, you know, and then you, then you'll have ownership of that decision, right? If I just tell you what to do, if I give you an order, we're all in the military, right? If I just give you a lawful order and tell you suck it up and divorce your wife and get out of the Navy and, you know, whatever, like if I just tell you what to do, you're not going to have ownership of that. You're just following orders and you're not going to optimize. So, um, yeah, I think, I think these conversations need to happen more and more often. Uh, and this, this platform is amazing. You've done such a good job with this stuff, man. I'm, I'm really proud of you and proud to know you. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So, uh, so in closing, what is, um, there's somebody going through that they feel like, uh, they can't talk to anybody. They feel like there's nowhere to turn. Maybe they've been to a therapist and they just can't connect with that therapist. And they feel like that they're at the end of their rope. What would you tell them? If, if you, if you could tell them anything, what would it be to, to help them start to see things a little differently? It's bigger than you and you deserve love. Those two words or those two sentences, you know, I mean, a therapist isn't going to fix your problems. You know, I'm not going to fix your problems. Uh, you know, if you're spiritual, I would, that's why I say bigger than you. Uh, cause for me, God is huge for me. Uh, I'm not a perfect Christian, but I sure try to be Christ-like. I try to be a good man. Uh, but, uh, some people, uh, you know, whatever your belief is, you know, Buddha, the universe, energy, I don't care what your belief is, but just understand it's bigger than you, right? It's, it's, you know, we, we get trapped into our own stuff and think everything is about us, but sometimes it's not, man. Sometimes it's just bigger than you. Sometimes you have a purpose you don't know yet. Sometimes, you know, God has a plan for you or the universe or your family or, you know, that it's just, it's bigger than you. I, I could expand on that for, for an hour, man, but just try to try to understand that you're a part of something bigger uh, than anything you could possibly fathom with your finite mind. Like we are all really finite human beings with limited amounts of, you know, I mean, what do we use like 20% of our brain or something like that, you know? Um, so it's bigger than you and then you deserve to be loved. Uh, and, and with that, that means, you know, setting up healthy boundaries to people that are not serving you and loving yourself. Just, it's okay to love yourself. And sometimes as corny as it is, just look in the mirror and say, Hey, I, I love you, man. Like you're a good person. Uh, and, and you mean well, and you screwed that up, but I still love you and you deserve love. So that, that would be my advice, man. It wouldn't be, you know, go to a therapist, wouldn't be, you know, call me. Uh, it would be understand it's bigger than you and understand you deserve to be loved. So love yourself. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, appreciate you jumping on with me today, man. Always a pleasure, man. I, I'm, I'm going to have to have you back on the podcast. Like we could talk for hours, bro. <laughs> you tell me when.
Tell me cool, when. Cool. I'll definitely have you back on this one as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Again, I, it's really important work you're doing. Uh, we really need it. And I know all 12,000 people in the group uh, just really appreciate the work you're doing, man. So keep it up. It's inspiring. Oh, appreciate it. I'm Scott Leeper. And remember, your challenge is your gift. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you. Lead yourself first. Continue to learn to communicate more effectively. First for you, then for others. With yourself, then others. And you will find the key to leading a more positive, more fulfilled life. You'll begin to find your purpose and identity. Not sure how yet? Learn more at alphalimacharlie.com.